It's August 11th. You're listening to the President's Daily Brief. I'm your host and former CIA officer, Brian Dean Wright. Your morning intel starts now. Welcome to this special edition of the President's Daily Brief. And it is very special indeed, because America is about to undergo an energy revolution. There is a $380 billion climate change bill that is set to pass the House of Representatives tomorrow, following its previous passage in the Senate. So after tomorrow's vote, it heads the desk of Joe Biden, who will sign it. And that means soon enough, states in this country will be changing the way that we power our lives. For instance, our cars, our homes, our businesses, everything. So how will this energy revolution work and will it work? Well, we have a test case this morning that we are going to talk about. It's the state of Hawaii. Now, they've been at it for seven years now, and if Hawaii is any indication, we are going to see a real green energy mess. So that cautionary tale is the focus of today's PDB. It's a deep dive into what went wrong, why, and lessons that you can learn for your state. And as always, I've got one more thing before I let you go. A comment from a listener named Ryan. So he emailed and he suggested that, unfortunately, I am a lazy conservative and wrong to say that the New York Times and Washington Post are Democrat newspapers. So I'll give you the data and the history on these two newspapers, and then you can decide who's right. But first, let's get started with today's special brief. In Washington, D.C. tomorrow, the Inflation Reduction Act is set to get a vote in the House of Representatives, and by all indications, it will pass without issue. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will likely sign it shortly thereafter, probably early next week. Now, as I've shared with you before, the name of the bill is inaccurate. So to recap, this bill is really the remnants of Biden's Build Back Better plan, plus the new Green Deal. In other words, this is a climate change bill, renamed and trimmed down from the trillions of dollars in spending to merely hundreds of billions. Regardless, it's a game changer, whether you like it or not. So there are billions in tax credits to install solar panels, wind turbines, battery production, electric vehicles, you name it, it is in there. Now, to be fair, there are some provisions in support of traditional forms of energy, especially helpful for big oil companies. But make no mistake, this bill is about fostering what proponents call a green energy revolution. It is, as environmentalists are now saying, a down payment on the new climate change era, with many more bills like this one to come. So it's fair then to ask, how is this revolution going to go and will it work? So this morning, we're going to talk about that test case of Hawaii and how they have managed their green revolution. On the surface, it should be a perfect laboratory for Joe Biden and his party. It's a state run from top to bottom by fellow Democrats who believe passionately about climate change and ditching fossil fuels. And at a distance, it would seem that the revolution is going pretty well. A week back, there were celebratory headlines on CNN and New York Times that Hawaii was taking its last shipment of coal. It was the end of the line for Hawaii's last remaining coal plant, located on the island of Oahu. Hawaii's governor declared the moment a huge step forward in Hawaii's transition to clean energy. And he went on to say that in its time, coal was an important resource for Hawaii, but no longer. And he said he was grateful to all the workers who had been running the plant for so long, workers who are now unemployed. 
Now that coal plant supplied reliable power to tens of thousands of homes in Oahu, or about 10% of the island's needs. Now, to be specific about this, it supplied about 180 megawatts of power. And I want you to remember that number, 180 megawatts, because it'll become very important in a couple of minutes. All right, so a week after those celebratory headlines and statements from the governor about no more coal, there was this headline from a local newspaper. Hey, Oahu, your electric bill is about to go up. Now, the article went on to explain that electricity prices are going to go up at least 7% when the coal plant shuts down. But why? Well, Hawaii is replacing that dirty coal, as it were, with oil. And that's weird for lots of reasons. First, because oil is a fossil fuel, obviously, and the Green Revolution is supposed to be getting rid of all of that. But there's another reason why it's pretty weird. Oil has become very expensive, largely because of the unpredictable war in Ukraine. Now, at current prices, the cost for Oahu's oil electricity will be about 30 cents per kilowatt hour compared to 6 cents for coal. That's according to the local utility Hawaiian Electric. So what's going on here? How can it be that Hawaii's governor is celebrating this big push for green energy when really he and his state are just adopting oil, which, as it turns out, is a fossil fuel and five times more expensive to boot? You know, what happened to all the solar and wind energy? Well, to understand this bizarre situation, you have to go back to 2015. That's when the governor of Hawaii signed a bill for state utilities to generate 100% of their electricity from renewable energy, all within 30 years. Now, that led to an initial boom in planning for big green energy projects. So if we look at the numbers here, they drew up plans for nine big solar farms, and they've built one. Meanwhile, they purchased some very big industrial batteries to store that solar energy, but not as many as they ultimately needed. Those batteries, once again, are very important because even in Hawaii, sometimes the sun doesn't shine, like at night. So the energy has to come from somewhere in those dark hours, and that means some very big batteries to make up for it. Now, stepping back, if you knew that your solar projects were way behind on development, you, know, you had nine on the drawing board, but only one built, well, the prudent thing would be to hold off on shutting down your traditional energy plants like coal until that solar was up and running. But a couple years ago, the state government decided, nah, let's just do it. Shut her down. So that's what they did. The governor and legislature drafted a law that demanded that the last coal plant be shut down by September of 2022, no matter what. Well, you can probably guess where this is headed. About a year ago, the Public Utilities Commission started waving a flag. They told the governor, the legislature, and the utility company that the numbers weren't adding up. So remember that figure that I mentioned earlier, the 180 megawatts from the coal plant? Well, if you look at the one solar project that was built, that was 49 megawatts, right? Far short of the 180 that it was supposed to replace. Plus, the Public Utilities Commission found that all the other solar projects in the planning stages, well, depending on what gets built and when, you might never get to that 180 megawatts. Well, the governor and legislature and Hawaiian Electric ignored or otherwise dismissed those concerns from the Public Utilities Commission. So now here we are. The coal plant will be shut down per law as of September 1st, but there's not enough solar energy to replace it or battery capacity for that matter. 
And that means that Hawaii was forced to buy very expensive oil from abroad to prevent blackouts. So I want to emphasize something before we take a quick break. It wasn't just the Public Utility Commission that raised concerns. So investigative journalists have asked Hawaiian Electric to confirm that all those solar projects being considered will in fact add up to the 180 megawatts that the coal plant used to provide. Plus, they asked, what's the deadline for all that capacity? Well, Hawaiian Electric refused to confirm anything. The only thing that they have said is that lots of solar capacity is coming someday, but that current delays have pushed things back. Uh, the delays, by the way, were supply chain factors and, quote, other issues, end quote. So, folks, those are the facts this morning out of Hawaii on their seven-year journey to a green energy revolution. And when we come back, I'm going to offer up my counsel to you if we were in the White House, plus three steps that you can take to avoid becoming Hawaii. We'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, spring is in full swing. And for millions of folks, that means yard work and gardening. Am I right? Now, here's a pro tip for those of you looking to spruce up your landscaping. Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the U.S. They've got over 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. Save yourself the time and trouble of multiple trips to those crowded nurseries. You know what I'm talking about. Fast Growing Trees is a complete time saver. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all, and it's delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. They can tell you what grows best in your area, how to plant, when to plant. It's like having your own expert gardener. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And listeners to the President's Daily Brief can get an extra 15% off by using promo code PDB at checkout. So go to FastGrowingTrees.com and use promo code PDB at checkout. You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. Welcome back to this special edition of the PDB. We're talking this morning about the Inflation Reduction Act, which is really about climate change. That bill is full of $370 billion worth of incentives to switch to renewable energy, and no doubt that states will rush to do so. But if they follow the example of Hawaii, we could be in a nationwide mess. And that's because Hawaii had seven years of planning and execution to move its energy production over to renewables. And let's recap what it got them. Well, they shut down their coal plant because it was too dirty, and then they replaced it instead with oil, which I guess isn't dirty. Meanwhile, they're planning to replace the coal and oil with solar energy, but only one of the nine projects has been built. Now, hopefully the rest will too, but nobody will say that that is for certain. 
And meanwhile, the people of Hawaii will pay more for their electricity, which isn't even green and was already some of the most expensive in the country. But not to worry, says the Democrat governor. It's all a huge step forward for Hawaii's transition to clean energy. Oh, dear. So, ladies and gentlemen, as the House of Representatives prepares to vote for the big climate change bill tomorrow and we see the inevitable rush of states embracing the green energy revolution, here is my counsel to you. Don't be Hawaii. I mean, it's really that simple. Hawaii is showing the nation exactly what not to do. The Democrat governor and Democrat supermajority in the legislature are caught up in what I have previously described to you as the great madness. They knew that they didn't have enough solar power or battery packs to replace their coal plant, but they shut it down anyway. And then they knew that they would have to replace coal with oil, which is a fossil fuel, contrary to their own goals, but they did it anyway. And they knew that the people and businesses of Hawaii would suffer from even higher electricity prices because they were doing this, but they did it anyway. And the peak of this madness is that the Democrat governor still calls this moment, quote, a huge step forward in Hawaii's transition to clean energy, end quote. It's also laughably absurd. It's so illogical that you're almost waiting for someone to tell you that it's a big joke, but it's not. It's real. Look, I I don't mean to dump on Hawaii this morning. It's an incredibly beautiful state, but this example to me is a canary in the coal mine. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, a lot more. And that's because there are billions of dollars in incentives on the table after this latest bill passes. And that bait is just too sweet to pass up. And just to be clear, I earnestly don't have a problem with folks who want to switch to solar or wind. The problem is that you are replacing reliable energy with something that's not reliable. You are basing the entirety of your future economy, the health and the well-being of your people on technology that may or may not work. I mean, wouldn't it have been more prudent for Hawaii to first build out the renewable capacity, you know, kick the tires on it for a while, and then switch over once you know that the whole thing works? I mean, that would at least be logical, even if a person doesn't believe in climate change. And on that note, actually, if you're going to switch to renewables, let's be honest that it's not going to do a darn thing about your climate goals. And that's because China pumps more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than the U.S., Canada, and Europe combined. And they're increasing their emissions, not decreasing. So all of these renewable projects get offset immediately. There is no gain. Look, if you agree that this is madness, that our leaders are abandoning logic and facts and reason, well, I've got three steps that you can take right now to prevent your state from becoming Hawaii. First, understand who provides your electricity, your local utility. Ask them how they produce your electricity as of today and their plans for the future. Look on their websites, give them a call, ask them about price increases or decreases related to their future plans. You have every right to know these answers or if they don't have them. Now with that information in hand, here's the second step. Look into your state's public utilities commission. Figure out who is on it and how they got on it. Is it an appointed position or can you run for it like running for office? But either way, consider getting involved. If nothing else, go to meetings and document them. 
ask very specific questions about how or if they plan to change the state's energy mix. For instance, are they going to dump 180 megawatts of coal? And if so, what is the plan to replace it? And what's the timeline? And based on all of that, you will be armed with what is to come in your state or your utility district. And if that knowledge leaves you uneasy, consider step number three. Run for state representative or state senator. Seriously. Because as we saw in Hawaii, they are the people that determine this from what's allowed to operate to the permitting process for new energy projects. And if running for office isn't your cup of tea, find someone that you support who is running for local or state office and help them. Because I'll tell you what, my friends, if you don't get on this stuff now at the local and state level, you are going to get Hawaii. And I am not talking about the tan. By the way, if you're in Hawaii, email me and let me know what you're seeing. I may even come out and do a podcast or two on this. So my email, as always, is pdb at thefirsttv.com. And with that, one more thing before I let you go. A listener named Ryan emailed and said, well, sadly, I am a lazy conservative who is wrong to suggest that the New York Times and Washington Post are Democrat newspapers. So we are going to talk about that and see if you agree. We'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Did you know that a recent survey found that seven in 10 parents get an average of three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year? I don't know. That sounds like like a lot more sleep than we got during our baby's first year. Mothers, you deserve quality sleep. And here's how you can make that happen. Cozy Earth. Discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And now here's an exclusive Mother's Day. Don't forget Mother's Day is coming up. It's a Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code PDB for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology. It's adapting to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. They use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. We use these sheets of the Baker Compound, and I am telling you, they are terrific. And Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of its products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. That's a 10-year warranty. Built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights of motherhood. Incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance sleep quality and overall wellness. This Mother's Day, treat your mom to the luxury, come on, she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code PDB for 35% off. After placing your order, select podcast in the survey and then select PDB in the drop-down menu that follows. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code PODCAST. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code PODCAST. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the PDB. I've got one more thing before I let you go. A comment this morning from Ryan S. He emailed after the brief that I gave you on the FBI. Specifically, my suggestion that when former FBI Director James Comey leaked to the New York Times or when he writes for the Washington Post, it demonstrates their bias, their support for Democrats and against Republicans. So here's what Ryan wrote. Multiple mentions today of Democrat newspapers? Come on, seriously? I really, really thought you were better than this, Brian. This kind of lazy conservative talk just erodes your credibility. I know you're a conservative on a conservative network, but please do much better or else you're going to start losing people. Love the show otherwise. Well, look, Ryan, I sincerely appreciate you writing in. I really appreciate it. I could hear your anger and your disappointment as I read it and frankly, a little bit of snark too, but that's all right. So let me present my case to you and to everybody else and then you all can decide. So let's start this broadly. Do you think that the media in general in this country is biased? Now, as you think about your answer, consider this from 15 years ago. An analysis by MSNBC.com found that 87% of journalist donors who made contributions from 2004 to 2008 gave to Democrats. Again, 87% to Democrats. So moving forward in time, the Media Research Center found that from 2008 to 2016, 94% of donors affiliated with the big five news outlets contributed to Democrats. Again, 94% to Democrats. During the 2016 election cycle between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, the Center for Public Integrity found that 96% of campaign donations by roughly 480 media employees went to Clinton. Again, 96% to a Democrat. Meanwhile, we've seen the same trend not only in legacy media, you know, newspapers and TVs and such, but also in social media, too. The former CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, said in a congressional hearing a couple years ago that, quote, he fully admits that Twitter employees share a left-leaning bias, end quote. So data backs him up for sure on that one. According to the Federal Elections Commission, 99% of Twitter employees donated to Democrats, that is a North Korea number right there. All right, so now that we've established clear data showing a media bias in this country many years long and that it's largely in favor of Democrats, let's dive into the New York Times and Washington Post specifically because they are arguably the nation's most important newspapers. So let's start with the New York Times. If you look at the editorial side of things, the New York Times hasn't endorsed a Republican for president since Dwight Eisenhower in 1956. That would suggest a degree of bias. And that's almost certainly true. Consider this. The recent New York Times opinion editor, Barry Weiss, quit the Times because the paper wasn't allowing conservative voices to be heard. And when she did publish something, an opinion piece from Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican, back during the BLM riots of 2020, there was an outrage by Times employees. Here's a tweet from one of their straight news reporters. Quote, running this Tom Cotton op-ed puts black New York Times staff in danger, end quote. Now, Ryan, if you are still not convinced, I want to tell you about a hidden camera interview of someone named Des Shu, who at the time was curating the front page of the New York Times.com. Now, in that interview, this person said of the newspaper, quote, it is widely, widely understood to be a left-leaning organization. 
She went on to say, quote, Our main stories are supposed to be objective, but it's very difficult in this day and age to do that. The business model in this time is built on what readers want, and a lot of them are liberal, end quote. Now, the same is true of the Washington Post. The Post has endorsed Democrat presidential candidates for at least nine presidential elections and has never endorsed a Republican for president. And why is that, do you think? Well, just like the New York Times, the Washington Post gives their readers what they want. That's because according to a 2014 Pew Research Center survey, the majority of the Washington Post's audience, 61%, identified as a Democrat or a leftist. Just 7% were conservative. And if that's not convincing, consider their own review of their coverage of the 2016 presidential election. The Post admitted far more positive stories of Hillary Clinton and far more negative of Donald Trump. So all in all, that's why I said that the New York Times and Washington Post are liberal or Democrat media outlets. I think that their data show that, their story selection process show that, their opinion writers show that, and who they endorse for president also show that. But as always, I will let you all decide if Ryan is right on this one or me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes your morning brief. As always, we close out the show reminding each other of why we are here, talking about our country and our world. It's the creed of every good spy and every smart American. It's from John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. You've heard it said, and it's true. Time is our most precious commodity. And the question is, how can you spend it wisely to improve yourself and the people around you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about a great way to continue the lifelong process of learning, and that's Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. Correct, I did say free. As an example, sign up for Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. Now, in this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it's been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced, so you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu pdb to enroll. There's no cost, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu pdb to register. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith.